Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I'm joined by my two handsome Debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. (laughs) That was slow. Yeah, that was uh, slow on the uptake. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context to see if they hold up. You can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And on today's episode, just in time for Halloween, we made it. Just in time for Halloween, we are going to be talking about John Carpenter's 1982 film, the thing. Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live. Inside. Where no one can see it. Or hear it. Or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! So the thing, uh, as Dave so eloquently pointed out, is actually a remake of another film. And it has subsequently been remade as well, right? With the uh, there was one that came out in 2011. Turns right? out that's a prequel. Oh, it, so it exists in the same universe. Oh, interesting. Yes, actually, very interesting. interesting. It's, okay, it's, it's it, the uh, the new the thing is actually what happens before this movie that with the Norwegian. So the is it basically like the alien landing in ice and then struggling and then eventually going into a coma? Well, no, be something. Uh, obviously, the Norwegians were infected by the. The, the thing. The thing. Oh, true. The it dog could be, yeah, it could be the Norwegians. Kind of yeah, it's everything leading up to the dog chase in this movie, which starts this movie. Oh, interesting. So <laughs> it uh, does that whole thing where they tell you how things got to where they are when you don't really care about that to begin oh, yeah, with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's always much better right. when you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> but The Thing is a, um, it's a famous science fiction horror film. Um, it's directed by John Carpenter, as I said. It was written by Bill Cl- Lancaster, and it stars uh, Kurt Russell at peak hair. Um. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah it's, it's, lo- it's beautiful hair. It is. It beautiful is a mane. Hair. It is a goddamn mane. It's gorgeous. Um. And the basic premise is: I'll read off IMDb because that's always easier. A crew in Antarctica finds a neighboring camp destroyed and its crew dead. Whatever killed them is nowhere to be found unless it's hidden in plain sight. Dun dun dun. Oh, that's good. Uh, that was the that's other good. title for this movie. Plain sight. Plain sight. <laughs> um, basically, it revolves around this kind of a- well, alien creature that's able to um, assume the image, I guess, or mold its cells to duplicate uh, uh, actual organic material or hosts. Uh, so you can't tell it's actually there. Um, and then it kills them and then moves on. So um, it's both science fiction, horror, all that good stuff. Takes place in the Arctic, so it's got that you know isolation thing going on. Um, I have never seen this movie until Ooh. a couple days ago. Ah. So one of the rare, rare times that's happened on this podcast. Um, I guess, Dave, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts about John Carpenter? And what do you, uh, what do you think about The Thing? Uh, I've never been a huge John Carpenter fan, actually. I, I really love the original Halloween. Uh, I remember liking some of his movies from the 80s. 
uh, Starman. Have you guys seen that? Is that the one with David Bowie? No, no, no. It's not. That's the one with that Jeff Bridges playing. What am I thinking of with David Bowie? Uh, the man who fell from the, yeah, the man yeah. who fell to okay, yeah, right, right. sorry. Uh, what else did John Carpenter direct? direct? Uh, Christine, right? Christine was another was a Stephen King a- adaptation. Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography now, and I gotta admit, not a big John Carpenter guy. <laughs> yeah, me neither. And I and, and I feel like as time and, and Escape from New York and They Live are probably his other two big ones. I remember seeing Escape from L.A. in the movie theater. That's probably the only John Carpenter movie I saw in theaters, and it's really not good, in my opinion. Um, I feel like he appeals to a certain uh, someone with with specific tastes for uh, kind of man, like very mainly science fiction you know that, that's, I don't know how better to describe John Carpenter like he made Halloween as a horror movie but he didn't go on to make like a ton of horror movies he stuck mostly from what I can see to science fiction well when I hear his name I immediately think synth that's like the, like the first like word association in my head like he's like right. he's known for that kind of like 80s synth right. uh, sci-fi horror aesthetic which is kind of what he really defined uh, in the 80s. Oh, I guess there's there's Big Trouble in Little China. I remember that one, too. Um, oh, that's a, weird, that's a weird one as well. Yeah, he's got quite uh, an interesting resume. Isn't is sure. Escape from New York also Russell Crowe? Uh, Russell, uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe. Kurt Russell. Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell, yes. Kurt Russell Crowe, yes. Kurt Russell Crowe. Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. Well, actually, if Russell Crowe was ever rude to you, he could be considered a Kurt Russell Crowe. That's true. Huh. I mean, um, different kind of Kurt, but I mean, essentially, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah, I really, that's that's genius. All right. So I'm okay <laughs> with John Carpenter. I think he is a very good director, but the movies, for, for overall, Halloween, I love. A lot of his movies, I think, are, well, what, are, are, well, you are say good a, to not that good. You say he's a very good director. What makes him a good director, in your opinion? Uh, well, I, I think, <laughs> what makes him a good director? Well, I think he has, uh, you know, okay. What makes him a good director? I, I like the way he... he um, uses space in Halloween, for instance, the foreground and the background. I, I remember you know, going back and trying to analyze why that's scary. When I Did we watch Halloween on this podcast? No. I can't remember. No. You know, nope. Just seeing the way he uh, frames shots, I, I, I felt were interesting. The same thing in, in this movie. I feel like the way he actually kind of is, is a, a patient uh, filmmaker. Uh, I like the way um, he lets kind of things happen in the frame. Uh, I think his... Uh, you know, I think he's okay with actors overall. I think that the acting in the thing, uh, you know, left for me left something to be desired. I would say overall, um, you know, I'll, uh, we can talk about that more. But um, I don't know. I, I, I have to think about that a little bit more. Well, I'll give you some time you know, to marinate on. I'm going to go to over overall. My thoughts on the thing are that it's it's now held up to be a classic, like one of the great horror movies. I feel like. For me, it, it doesn't hold up as well as some of the other horror classics, you know. And I don't remember loving this movie when I first saw it either. When I first saw it, it was probably in the, in the early '90s on VHS, which is probably how it's meant to be seen. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I I watched it. I watched it just last night. Uh, it was the perfect. You know, it was, it was dark. I had the lights off, and I didn't find it was it Halloween very, time. I didn't find it very scary. I found it well made. And I know this is for a lot of people. It's one of their favorite movies, and uh, for me, I think it's good. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would consider it a classic, and I, that may be blasphemy for some people. But uh, that's just how how I came uh, out of it feeling. Well, I mean, I, I think that the term classic is interesting, right? Because a movie can be a classic without you like loving it, really, right? Because there's no doubt the movie is classic in the sense that people know about the thing as kind of a seminal movie in mm-hmm. this 
in this genre, but whether or not you enjoy it on that level is kind of up to you. Mike, you said you've seen this before, which is just very rare for this podcast. I, mind-blowing, right? I, I yeah. mean, just... We can <laughs> that's count a horror it. movie of its I, own. I, I like... can ca- count in my hand how many times that's happened. But yep. what are your... I mean, are you... Are you into the thing? I mean, you you like sci-fi and weird aliens and shit. Like, this is kind of up your alley, right? Yeah, I, I, I love sci-fi. I really like Alien. Like, that's like my, I think my, my favorite isn't this sci-fi kind of, horror. Is this playing in the same kind of wheelhouse? Like, it's got like... I, I think it is, for sure. I think it is. And I think um, it does a lot of things very... I mean, the use of gore, I think the use of like, obviously the prosthetics of the time, but um, some really... I remember both movies having really good effects. Um, and I, I, I saw this in college first time, and I, I was blown away by it. And I'm like, yeah, this is that is a classic. So when I picked it, I was like, yeah, this is going to be... This is going to be a good one. And I remember it being good then, and it's still pretty good now. There's some issues that I had. I think when I watched the first time, I tended to... I went along with it a lot easier without asking too many questions. And I think I started asking more questions in this one. And there's certain things, we could talk about it later, that I think create problems for the story. But overall, I think the story, the, the concept is really interesting. And I think it is executed very well. Um, and the special effects, I think, really sells so much. Like the props, like when they find the alien in the snow with like the half melted face like that's terrifying and it's very well put together like um all the transformations the scene with the guy's head coming off like that's all really well done um i think that really because of it being so effective looking makes it scarier and then i think it sells the movie more that way no i i mean it's hard not to talk about the effects when discussing this movie um, mm-hmm. in watching it. I mean, as Mike said, they're pretty incredible and they're still really incredible. Um, I think they hold up really well. They yeah. hold up very well. Um, yeah. I was kind of blown away by how good all those sequences looked um, it, because it has the tactile feeling, you know, it's not CGI, it's models and, prosthetics and, and animatronic. It's really no, creative. It's, it's very creative the way they did it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would be like the kind of place where you want to tour the factory where they made all that crap just to see like how they did it, which is, it is kind of amazing. Um, Ebert, when this movie came out, called it, quote, a great barf bag movie, which is, I think, <laughs> a really good like encapsulation of like what the movie does well, like in the sense that the stuff that's gross is really gross, but gross in an effective way um, that I think still holds up very well. That being said, everything else I was just pretty meh on with this movie. (laughs) And I think the biggest problem I have is I think it actually gets better as it goes. But my big problem is, this is going to sound really lame, but at the start of the movie, I had a lot of trouble remembering who all the people were. And like, they're all, except for the two black guys, they're all kind of white and old. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, who's... Who's this guy? And well, at least they look old. <laughs> I mean, who's this guy? And who's this guy? And he's like, "Go get that so and so." And where's that so and so? I'm like, "Who's he talking about?" <laughs> like, and so can we can we talk about though? I I, I want to say the one thing. Like, I know what you're talking about, Ivan. It's definitely there's a lot of. I think there's some issues with that. But it, oh, hold on, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm gonna let you let you say your piece. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go no, ahead. no, it's it's fine. I I guess to close it out, I think my big issue with the movie is I feel like. Every character in this, even Kurt Russell, who is the ostensibly the hero, Mac McReady, he plays, you know, he's, you know, the handsome, uh, rugged, you know, takes the leadership role when all shit breaks go, you know, shit hits the fan. It's every character is just I don't know anything about any of these characters at all. Like, yeah. So what is the what? There's no driving reason to make you care about anybody. And I, you know, and I'm trying to think of a good. You know, I haven't seen Alien in a while, but I think that Alien does something with Ripley 
where you actually do and maybe it's and this sounds really sexist maybe because she's a woman and the vulnerability of a woman in that situation um uh, it, it makes that effective but there's something about character work that's just missing in this movie so then it becomes like this jaunt from set piece to set piece and right. I enjoyed watching the creativity of seeing those set pieces play out but I don't necessarily think I was scared at any point like I was never like oh no what's going on there I was more like wow that's really cool that they got that guy's head to blow up you know right. so that's kind of my take on yeah, I, I was the a same lot more scared we saw it Wait, go sorry, ahead Mike sorry. go ahead Mike I was a lot more scared the first time I watched it I think just because the concept of all these guys that you're in close quarters with, one of them is not who they appear to be. Yeah. And the concept of, like, there's no way to tell, at least in the beginning, they don't know of any way of telling who's who. So you're trying to figure out which one is acting weird, who's doing... I think the psychological thriller aspect of that is great. Um, the the issues I had with it later kind of create some problems where I think it's one of those things where it it doesn't set the rules strong enough so it, it, it raises too many questions but before I go there I, I, I want to I love the opening of the movie and I think the way it tells that story of you see a wolf being chased by a bunch of guys in a helicopter right I don't know about how, I don't know how you guys felt about that but I'm like rooting for the wolf I want to see the wolf get away sure, sure. and I actually have for, forgotten in the beginning like what that the significance of it was um, so you're kind of watching this poor helpless animal run across run across the, the the snow where it should be getting picked off easily and it's getting away and you're like come on come on and when no, it I, makes it, 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 it does this thing where, like, you know, the the cardinal sin in movies is like you never want to see the dog die, right? And so right. it's 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 a great turn on that because you're like, what psychopath would want to shoot this dog? You know, so it is. I figure there's some kind of like there are like you know like Alaskan wolf hunters from hell. I mean, that's like what they do up there. I don't know, but what I think is brilliant is like they they set up questions. Like when the guy comes out of the helicopter and he goes nuts and he's trying to kill it. Like, that is a great way to set up a little bit of the mystery of what's going on here. Like, what's the deal with this dog? Why should why was that guy going nuts trying to kill it? Like, whatever. We killed that guy. Obviously, he was a lunatic. But, like, the audience is starting to piece together. Like, maybe there's something going on with that dog. It's acting a little weird. And in a way, they slowly understand, piece together what's going on and what that, that dog is. By the time they figure it out, that wolf, the, the, the wolf is already... It's a wolf or it's a dog? It's a dog. It, it looks it's a like, dog. It yeah. looks like a... It's a... Okay. Like a well, anyway, Siberian by the time Husky they realize that, yeah, right, it's probably Oscar. You're right. By the time they realize that, it's already been in close quarters with them alone for multiple hours. So you're already in a situation where you're like, oh my god, how many people here are already affected? Um, I, I just didn't think that the starting point of that story, I think, is very, very well told. Ivan, I agree with you. I think that the characters are drawn very thinly. Um, you know, I think they have to spend, they spend more time with the science fiction aspect of it. And I think that's true. That's a criticism that's true of a lot of science fiction movies, I think, uh, over time, um, is that generally characters are drawn less. The, the successful ones have more, you know, fleshed out characters. But um, well, I think sci-fi tends to ignore that a little bit. Well, I mean, it's tough to do, right, because I'm complaining about this. But I was thinking to myself, it's really hard to make you care about You need to have enough fodder in a movie like this to have people die. Like, the whole point is it's the... The, the movie's only interesting is like, oh, and then there was one less, and then there was one less. Like, you need to have well, I think, like, that kind in, of in thing. In the beginning, they, they, they don't spend enough time showing the crew interacting and being a crew. They don't show friendships between people. Everyone is very isolated, and everyone kind of keeps themselves. And when you first see McCready, he's playing chess on a computer with a you know, glass of scotch. We don't see him interacting with people. We don't see that they care to some degree about each other in the beginning, where we're kind of, you know... Having them all having, you could show something where they're all around a table having dinner or drinking and everyone's joking around having a good time. And you already create a feeling of, of camaraderie and closeness to all these guys. It's a great picture, right? They never really do that. 
they don't start you just start out these are all just different guys that are just doing their own thing and there's not much time spent into their personalities or why they tick i mean the most they do is the guy on the roller skates in the kitchen the, the chef that's about it though you know what i mean there's the, the weird guy on the radio not, not the radio sorry the guy with the headphones mm-hmm. the frizzy hair yeah uh who's that what, what? he's the only one that looks different He's the only white guy oh, that looks oh, different. The, yeah, the guy with okay. glasses right, and frizzy right. hair. Right, right, right. With the jeans, uh, yeah. jean jacket. Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, that's the problem. I don't know anybody's uh, name. I, yeah, I just yeah. know that one guy's name Windows. Yeah. Like that's the uh, like, Win- yeah Windows. <laughs> you, you got yeah you got you got Copper. You got Child. Child's the the guy the the big black guy. Well, Keith David. And Nalls is the the cook dude. But everybody yeah. else, I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know what that guy's name is. With the, the headphones. And the then you know, <laughs> and you know, Kurt Russell. He's a star. He's Mac. But like it's it's right. it's that I think that was big stumbling point for me and I think how much you enjoy a movie like this is really how much you get off on like do you like slasher movies at all sometimes depends on the movie I hate them I hate them I mean I liked Halloween obviously uh, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Nightmare on Elm Street that was a slasher movie I would say I just what are, what are the other, like Friday the 13th I don't really like any of those yeah it's, it's hard for me to get like I just don't get off on like I think a lot of people like like the creativity of the deaths like that's like a big enjoy- like, yeah, that's that why Final Destination yeah. exists as a series it's like how creative can they make that, because Final Destination the concept is how creative can we make a slasher movie's death sequences? Right. Like it's how like a elaborate? It's always yeah. like a, this <laughs> yeah. leads to this leads to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, and, and this movie I think delivers on that aspect really well because some of the stuff they've come up with is really like gross and creepy. Like I think that the standout sequence in me is when they think that guy's had a heart attack and he tries to revive him with the paddly things that George Clooney uses in oh, ER. Oh yeah, and then a bite and, the chest and bites it, him. <laughs> but it, and the chest yeah. like bites him. That's like yeah. a really like you know I've, something's going to happen before. Like you know, it, it's well, been a long I, time since I've well, seen this movie. I had not, Dave. Okay. And I think that seems really effective. And like, yeah. holy crap! I can't. Not only does that look real, it still looks cool. Like mm-hmm. it does not look bad. It I looks mean, really cool. I ah. mean, that was the one point where I felt like it didn't because when it bites his arms like the arms just break off it doesn't really bite through them oh i it thought just it grabs was on cool. and the guy just rips his arms i'm like what the hell i thought it was well, pretty i wouldn't neat. call the effects realistic in this movie oh i'm not saying they're realistic point, i think they're, they're, but they're effective they're and, effective and yeah they're the, they're the kind of thing that you would uh, see at a really elaborate like haunted house or something like that right. with like the kind of gore and uh, i guess that's a good description this movie's kind of like a little bit like walking through the a haunted house and it depends on what kind of mood you're in as to how it's going to affect you i mean because the characters, I agree with you, for the most part, don't really connect that much with me. And then the, in the way that they do an Alien or Aliens or some you know, other movies that are like this. Well, I get, and then my my second major issue is I never felt like so another joy you can get out of a movie like this beyond the creativity. Like let's ignore that. Let's accept the fact that the movie doesn't have very well rounded characters. So where do you get the where do you get your joy from when watching it? Another thing that there's potential to do is how can our hero be so clever that he figures out a way out of this? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's enjoyment in watching someone way. be smart, <laughs> act on screen, but that's the problem is the solution always ends up either burning it or blowing something up. And that for some reason to me, that just didn't, I think there would have been, a, I wish there was so, a more creative way to solve the problem they were in. But I, I, I agree. Know. I agree. But I, th- and I think one of the biggest issues is um, the fact that the body that was burned alive up in the Norwegian camp that they bring back, they later find out that it's actually still alive and it can infect somebody after. And that for me was a big problem because now you feel like, well, then how do you know that when they're burning any of these things that they're actually dead at all? That I think you that should not have happened. And I think you go purely on the fact that the the wolf infected maybe one or two people that way. Um, because when the minute you do that, now all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, but the guy, like, sure you're gonna burn the whole place, but the one 
alien that died from fire didn't actually really die, so fire obviously doesn't really work. Cold doesn't really work. So, like, if you directly torch that thing and it's still somehow alive, then what is setting the whole camp afire really going to do? It's just going to move off to the side. It's not going to get burned as bad. Like, they have to be hypersensitive to fire for that to, that solution to even work. So, yeah, Ivan, to your point, like, even the fire and explosions thing, like, not only is it just not creative and not interesting, but it's also not really effective even within the confines of its own rules. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little lost, to be honest with you, about what the mechanics of infection were and how they kind of worked. And I don't think the movie ever goes to great lengths it's to explain it. It's sort of like, so we kind of see it a little bit. It, it, the alien kind of embeds itself or like sort of wraps around with tentacles or whatever it is. And then eventually will then absorb itself into the body of its host and then completely hide. So remember how we see in the in that scene where the thing comes out from underneath the tarp and it gets the guy with the red beard that got shot. Right. Um, it gets him and they see him in the chair like all tied up and like bloody and all that stuff. In theory, that would have probably gone into his body and then hidden away. Because what we see is we see the the shirts that are all torn up and stuff. That's what that is. It's the shirts are getting like pierced and torn or whatever it is. They bleed out, and then it goes in and hides. And they get a new pair of clothing and they're they're good to go. And you can't tell. But so like that's what I gathered from that whole process. And so when that happens, there is no consciousness of the person it's impersonating anymore. Correct? It's like that person. Well, has well been I see destroyed. that I don't know. Yeah, I can't tell because sometimes it seems like that person is genuinely afraid or confused or whatever. So I'm like, wait, do they like go unconscious? Then it inhabits them. And they don't know anymore. Like, is it so a that, get out situation where they're in the sunken place while someone else is like yep. maneuvering the body? Hmm. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah, so it's like, that's the other question I had is that, like, are they, do they know they're infected and they're just, like, trying to survive? Do they not know and they're completely clueless until it actually happens and they're like, oh, crap, I actually got a thing in me? Hmm. Like, what's going on? Or is it completely that they're gone and it's the alien imitating their personality? Yeah, and I don't think the movie ever makes that specifically clear. And not necessarily that I need to have all that information but if you're not going to give me like emotional stakes then i start getting into like my brain starts thinking about other things and that's kind of like an issue right Right. and and i think i think how much more interesting is it if somebody doesn't know and they're and they don't they don't think they're infected than they actually are and like how twisted that is to find out that oh my god i have something inside of me right now that's like they don't explore that at all like there's a lot more there's more room to tell a really more a much more enriching and emotional story and a more human story um and it doesn't really do that. I feel like it misses some opportunities there. Um, I do. One thing I did like a lot is I like the um, I like the ambiguity of the en- the ending in a certain way. Like they might have gotten it, but they but you might don't really not. Know. And they're gonna die. And that's kind of like there's there's something kind of cool about that. Like there's something very like 70s cinema about them kind of just being like we're all gonna die eventually. Right. Like it's, it's yeah. And, and to, to go along with what you're saying, John Carpenter's very manly movies. Like how much more manly does it get that like yeah we're both gonna die in fire, yeah. but but we're gonna have some whiskey. Alien. <laughs> right. I mean I don't think there are any <laughs> yeah, women right. in this movie at all. Right. No. Not not even uh, no on the uh, Norwegian base. No, it is it is a dude fest. Um, it. Uh, so I guess in that sense, it's it, you know some of the interesting thing. One interesting thing, like, you could say this movie has more on its mind than just scares and effects and uh, you know atmosphere. You could I mean there's obviously at least from what my perspective, there's obviously some. Uh, it, it has something about uh, I would I would argue the Cold War on its mind, the paranoia of of Russian invasion of oh, people. Cool. Interesting, you know, of people being. Of defecting, like I think, I think it's sort of an allegory for people who are, you know, like that, that same idea of something monstrous that could be behi- hiding behind the scenes. You can have, you know, enemy sympathizers. You can have, you know, sleeper right. cells, whatever. And I think it applies to a lot of different time periods too. As a study of paranoia, I think it's 
it, yeah. that, that that part's a little bit interesting. It would it would definitely work better if you you know uh, actually had a little more uh, emotional connection to the characters. I guess it depends on you know. I, I feel like maybe a lot I mean, a lot of people love this movie, so they must really latch on to. I would say the Kurt Russell, uh, the hero, uh, in a way that I never quite did. I mean, I got he he likes to drink. Uh, he's got attitude. Uh, and I think it, it, re- it relies just on his personal charisma. And yeah, I think and he's got and he's got thinly drawn, but right. And, and Kurt Russell obviously is a charismatic actor. I, but I've liked him better in other movies, um, personally. And uh, you know, I think that you know the, all the all the arguing back and forth between the guys, like who you know, how how do I know whether I trust you? How do I know whether I trust you? Like right. that, that kind of stuff. You feel like you you've seen that before, uh, but I feel like here it's done. That part is done pretty well. Um, yeah, you know, uh, but uh, you know, still, I mean, I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really necessarily care when someone died, you know, and, that, and that's a problem, you know. Compare that to like the death of almost anyone in Alien, uh, you know. At that point, you you've become uh, familiar, mm-hmm. you you care a little bit more, you understand the connection between the crew, um, you know. Even and even in Alien, that crew is relatively thinly drawn in, in a lot of ways, but they're you know. It, there's just enough there to actually make you care what happens to those characters. And, and I think, like, even if we knew the jobs of each of the characters, like, we knew Windows, right? Because he was the radio technician. We see him doing his job. We know there's a doctor. Um, there's, I guess, a guy who does an autopsy, or is he just some kind of a scientist? Is he also a doctor? Like, we don't know what any of these well, guys Well, it's also not do. clear exactly what this research station is doing there, right? right? It's just right. an American right. research station, stuff that, right? Like, I think when you put the studying attention the to detail into, into building, <laughs> they're, they're studying cold weather. They're, stu- they're studying global warming. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, like, when they, when they, like, when you put that, when you build that world out and you flesh that world out with information, it just makes it more real and makes it more immersive. You feel like you're actually there subconsciously. It becomes more of a setting, right? And I think when there's less, you know, uh, time put into that, it's just kind of like locate. It just become locations. And I think so. Per- perfect examples when you look at like the Norwegian camp. I think that one, you're walking through something that feels, I think, even more real than the other camp because it's so fleshed out. You're seeing the results of something that happened. You're seeing, like, a guy who killed himself in the chair. You see, like, you know, all these different bodies all mm-hmm. over the place. Like, that's something that I feel like they spent the time building that world out. You know, the whole, the fact that there's an alien spacecraft in the ice. Then they see the block where the, the body was taken out of. Like, all that stuff, they put all that time in, into that right there. And I think that sets up a really interesting mystery. But as far as setting up the characters in the initial setting, I think they, they kind of skip over that. Um, so, Mike, you said you were scared by this when you initially saw it in college. Were you scared at yeah. all when watching it this time? Um, not as much, I think, because I knew what was going to happen. I knew that kind of everybody died for the most part. Um, and I think it was le- – and I wasn't scared. Like, I wasn't I wasn't peeing my pants, but it was like – it was disturbing. <laughs> it's tense. It's very tense. Uh, especially it's on the record when you, that when you... Michael Morandi peed his pants in college when watching the thing. So, uh, I don't know. On, on the record that I never did yeah. and I never have because I've just – I've never peed my pants ever. Even in like kindergarten and pre-K, I just never did it, guys. So you've got to believe me on this one. Like I never, never did ever. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Anyway. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> um, I did not. Uh, so anyway. I guess my uh, you know group question time, roundtable time. What's a movie that, as an adult, that you that actually scares you, legitimately scares? You? Still scares me, or scared me as an adult when I saw it? Mm, that's a tough one. I would right. say, still scares you. Uh, hmm. Good question. 
You know, recently my daughter's gotten into The Wizard of Oz, and I remember even as an adult being, there's something about witches I find, I find scary. So the, so the, may, the maybe, witch must have been like the scariest the witch, movie. I found The Witch a little scary, yeah. Uh, I, I remember seeing the movie um, The Others with Nicole Kidman uh-huh, yeah. in theaters, and I remember that being a very tense experience for me. So, and that was a while ago. That was like 15 years ago. But you were actually legitimately scared. Like, I, oh, yeah. I'm afraid to like turn on the, I need to turn on the lights type scared. I would say so. What about you, Mike? I, I mean, I got to say, and I don't, I don't even know if I agree with this statement, but as far as my visceral reaction, when we watched The Exorcist a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. That was like, I'm like, nope, got to turn the lights on for this one. Got to <laughs> grab a beer real quick and just kind of relax because it's something about that's really tense. And you know what it is? I, I am profoundly disturbed by body, body horror movies. Mm-hmm. I, gen- I, just, I hate horror movies. Um, where it's like torture porn, glorification of mutilation, all that stuff. Like, that just doesn't fly with me. So anything surrounding that is very disturbing there's to me. There's not a lot and, of and that like, in The Exorcist, though. There's some, but... Yeah, that's little, the thing about the... There's the, a, no, no, the, the, I'm, that's like a separate, it's a separate note. I think, I think The Exorcist is just more scary on like a conceptual level of being possessed, I think. And just more about like the inhuman noises. I think the, you know, the human becoming inhuman is, is a disturbing thing. Like when you can hear the the bed hitting the floor upstairs as they're going up the steps like that was the most tense part of the whole movie for me it's just like it's like oh god what i know it's in there but i'm still i just it's it's something about it's super tense when you're hearing these uh-huh. inhuman moans and cries from behind the door and then like once you get in there and you actually see it with the makeup on it doesn't look as scary it kind of looks like you know you can kind of see the zipper almost of the, of the monster suit that you you know but uh, yeah i think that was probably the last time i saw a movie where i was really dreading interesting um, yeah, I was I was, you know, I was trying to ask myself this question this week as I was watching the thing. I'm like, what's something that's actually scared me? The the two that come to always come to mind is one is one is the Ring uh, by uh, Gore oh, Verbinski. Yeah, um, that movie legitimately still freaks me out, dude. Um, I have and, not seen that movie. I've seen I've seen the videotape from that movie, and that scared the hell out of me. Well, it's not even the, there was, it's not even the videotape that's super scary. There's like a, a like a cutaway in that movie to like the guy's face as he was die that I still like am scared of um, that that one gets me I think that one's a really I feel like that movie uh, I don't think uh, is it considered a horror classic because it should be because I think well, the ring, I feel like it's aging the same way as the thing did because the thing was it was an initially a critically acclaimed movie right and you know over time it became you know uh, quote unquote a classic and I think the ring was was got decent reviews but now I, whenever I, I hear people talk about is, it they talk about it as like the scariest thing they've ever seen yes it, it, I agree I think I think everybody I've, who has seen it has been like oh that's the scariest movie like that's why I, have, I still haven't seen it I'm like I'm not even gonna go there <laughs> oh well we should watch that on the podcast and then the uh, don't you dare do that to and me. then the, the second one that I always come back to I, I, I say it's my favorite horror movie of all time I don't know if it, horror is not the right word but it's The Orphanage have you ever seen The Orphanage yeah I remember um, I remember that one yeah With, uh, that's the Spanish language movie right? yeah and yeah. that's a movie that I think is creepy as hell uh i also think it's really interesting from a character and narrative standpoint it go, the narrative goes in places you don't think it's going to go is that j.a j.a bayon bayon i don't think he's ever made anything as good he he did the uh impossible i think and he's making jurassic uh, world too oh, i think great oh you know what he is he's making Jurassic, and he made a monster calls which is another movie that i have no interest in so it's kind of but that movie uh freaked me out um, I want to give a shout out to a short movie I've seen recently that I actually woke up in the middle of the night thinking about because it was so creepy. What's that? Um, it's a movie called, it's, you can find it on shortoftheweek.com, a p- a plug, uh, but it's a movie called uh, The Disappearance of Willie Bingham. Oh, boy. Um, and mm. if you're not into body mutilation, Mike, you probably should not watch it. Uh, I'll skip this one. Uh, but like it's, not like, it's not like torture porny. It's just... 
it's very disturbing. It's just like one of the most dis- – like the concept of it is just disturbing. Um, is it and- sort of like uh, – what's the one with the, the swimming pool that – what that horrific dude wrote that you told me about? Guts? Is it like that? No. Um, you're thinking. You're thinking of the story written by um, the guy who wrote Neil Fight Laboot. Club. Yeah. Um, what's the guy yeah. who wrote Fight Club's name? Um, shoot. Neil Laboot. No. No. David Fincher. No. 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 Who wrote the actual freaking novel Fight Club? Oh, Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Palahniuk. That's yeah. it. Uh, that's from his story. Uh, there's a collection of short stories um, that he wrote, and Guts is one of the. Uh, Guts is one of the more disturbing ones. No, it's not like that. It's just really a creepy premise, um, and I would suggest if you're like, I want to see how scared I can get. That uh, what Halloween recommendation. Looking at this uh, list here, I can t- I can uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I'm trying to think what other movies have, sc- have scared me. All, you know, what, seeing them in, in theaters. One movie that really uh, I found particularly disturbing and and scary. I remember being really tense watching it. And this is another movie with a group of people that end up like fighting each other, which I think happens a lot in horror movies. Anyway, The Descent. Have you seen The Descent? No, the but I hear it's very... That, is that the one where they go... Um, Into a cave. cave? Yeah, and I don't want to tell you too much more, but, you know, essentially... There's a, Isn't there, like, multiple very, endings to that, and, like, one's good and one's bad? There's two, well, there's two endings, and they're both, in my opinion, they're both fine. It just depends on your taste. <laughs> <laughs> but I found that movie to be a really effective uh, horror movie. I mean, that really... Definitely scared me, and I was uh, growing up when I saw that one. As far as movies when I was a kid, I remember Poltergeist really, uh, like, scarring me for life. <laughs> That's true. I heard a lot of people say that. Uh, yeah, for sure. Ooh, ooh, dude, you know what? I you and I saw both of these together. Um, oh. Black Death and Triangle by the same – it's the same guy, same director. Who was it? Triangle is the one where she's stuck in the Bermuda Triangle on a, on a ship. Uh, no, triangle like, is – it's like – I don't yeah. know if it's a time loop movie. Yeah, time loop. Uh, right, right. Oh, yeah, Triangle was – um, yeah, both of them are very good. They're, they're disturbing in different ways. Well, um, I, and actually, the, you want to see something a short, a short disturbing one is uh, MK12's "Follow the Sun." It's like an old 1930s cartoon style video, and it's pretty profoundly disturbing. Uh, Christopher Smith is the director um, of Triangle, yes, and, and right. uh, he actually had a movie that came out this past year called Detour. Um, I don't know if you guys Ooh, saw that, no. uh, Mike. I think you should check it out just because. As a director, Christopher Smith is really – he does really amazing things with structure. Um, he, do, he does. He, he's, like, he's that really kind of blow your mind. Like that – like he – you. I mean, we've been making movies for, you know, over 100 years now. And it's like, oh, they we've already figured out every trick we can do with story structure. And he's the one director – even if I don't love his music, I don't love Black Death. But I think there are parts of it that – I think that there are structural things that are really interesting – Detour yeah. is a movie I'd highly recommend, not because it's like the best movie you're gonna see, but you're gonna be you're gonna be surprised with what it does structurally. Which that and cool. it's it's very unique. Um, but yeah, uh, Triangle. I, get, I don't think it's a horror movie. I just think it's kind of it's just interesting. It's cerebral. I'm just I would looking say. at Detour now on Rotten Tomatoes. It says its box office is 145 dollars. <laughs> that uh, has to be a misprint. I don't think it made that little amount of money. It stars uh, it stars Ty Sheridan, who's yeah. a, a legit. I just added it to my next Netflix queue, so I, I'm interested because I like Triangle. Uh, you will be like, I don't understand how things are playing out, and it's kind of cool how they come together. Um, I would recommend another movie that I saw recently, uh, uh, which and this is going to sound weird. Uh, there was a movie based on a Ouija board that came out a few years ago, and there was a sequel that came out last year called heard, Ouija Origin of, of I heard Doom, that one was not bad. Which is directed by Mike Flanagan, who I would argue, having seen that, this and Gerald's Game uh, the past couple months, I is one of the, he's probably the best horror director working, and uh, I thought that was actually really terrific. Uh, Ouija Origin of Evil. Terrible title, uh, but really good movie. Well, I like... Um, 
You know, I and I I think I was actually I was scared by the original Saw in theaters. I okay. remember being frightened by the. I haven't seen any of the sequels. I know they made like twenty sequels yeah. to that movie, but I it was origi- like every year it was like Halloween they would have the Saw new Saw movie. But um, James Wan, I think, is an effective horror director. He made uh, oh, the Conjuring. The Conjuring right? was yeah. definitely a very tense. I haven't seen any of the sequels, but I remember being scared by the actual the first Conjuring. Like yeah. it's like a good spooky horror movie. There's there's some pretty choice moments in the second one too. I would say uh, even that was pretty pretty decent as far as scary movies. But again, like I don't I don't like the pressure of watching a horror movie sometimes. <laughs> like it's just too it's just too strenuous of an experience. So well, sometimes- you know, I guess. My wife was asking me, like, why do you like these movies? We were watching The Thing last night, she's, and she does not like horror movies at all. And she said, I don't get it. It's dumb. And The Thing ended, and she's like, well, that was dumb. And I was like, oh, I thought it was okay. It's pretty good. And, you know, some people don't find it cathartic in the way that, you know, I think that's what people find horror movies, um, you know, it's like, a, it's like a release in a way. You know, it's, it's like if, if life is, if it, it makes you, it like takes all the horror of the real world and contains it in, in a, like a two-hour setting so that you don't have to, Think you really just don't think about anything else but what these characters are going through. I remember when I was a kid. Sometimes I would, I would, uh, if I was scared of something, uh, I would think, well, at least I'm not, let's say, Ripley stuck on a spaceship with an alien. You know, (laughs) it would give me some sense of relief. And you know, maybe that in some ways that's what a horror movie is doing for people. Something like The Thing, where you like, okay, well, my life is bad, but I'm not stuck in Antarctica, you know, <laughs> with a bunch of guys that could be uh, an alien monster, right? Well, I was always, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm like the biggest Twilight Zone fan in the world. I'm always a fan of eerie versus scary, if that makes sense. Sure. I like the idea of, um, I like letting your mind kind of wander to that sense of creepiness. But anytime it gets to overt gore, is when I'm usually out. I like this, like the, uh, I like spooky. I don't like gross, which is, you know, I guess probably why the thing doesn't resonate that much with me, but I at least respect the technical achievement that it was back in 1982. Right. Um, any final thoughts as we close out this Halloween edition of the podcast? No. <laughs> that's that's not very <laughs> We're actually doing this in the change. <laughs> Hitting that lunchtime uh, slump, huh? Uh, I didn't sleep very much last night, but that's every night. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no other thoughts? No, not really. I mean, no, I'd be curious to hear think... if uh, anybody listens to this episode. I feel like there will be people that say, what? The thing? We love the thing. And I feel like Mike, is the, Mike, Mike has the hottest. Uh, your, Mike is. Uh, his ember burns warmest. His ember him. burns warmest for this movie <laughs> between the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think what? it's good. I guess I think it has issues. Again, these are things that. I'm only noticing now after watching it a second time and also just as a more like just later in my life where I'm maybe thinking about things more the first time I saw it I would say it was very effective and I thought it was very very good Um, and I didn't have the same issues with it then so again I think a lot of it has to do with the audience and how much you're going to be are you going to be hypercritical of it, or are you just going to kind of go along for the ride and just enjoy what what it's telling you and I think I think it's good I think it's good at what it does yeah I guess (laughs) I'm just I guess we're just not as enthusiastic I feel like I agree it's good at what it does but I'm just not that enthusiastic about it for for whatever reason right i would say i like alien better um yeah. but i do think it's i would definitely say i like it better than aliens which by the way is just a terrible oh. movie Everybody oh come on listen to me it's a terrible movie <laughs> guys uh well i think this is the great problem with everything is nothing's really that bad and nothing's really all that good usually stuff is somewhere in the middle um uh, on that note 
You can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com. You can email us at contact at reviewpodcast.com. We did get a request to do High Fidelity. I promise you we will get to that, but I'm going to choose a different movie for our next time. Um, Harsh, man. I know. Um, hmm. But there's one I've wanted to do for a while because I want to see if it's still funny or not. Uh-oh. I want to do Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Oh, God. Okay. Ooh, never, go. never saw it. What? Wait. No. What? Yeah. I just, it no. just. You know what? Well, I'm not, this is a definitely a different direction. It's so. almost worth keeping this podcast going just to be fascinated by the movies Mike has not seen. Dude, like it's, it, it's been great. I've been able to see so many classics. This is I an interesting choice. I can't. You gotta say. Gotta give you that. Um, well, I mean, Jim Carrey. Dave a, is not a fan. Dave is out. <laughs> Dave's out. What? You don't like? Uh, well, I guess we'll talk about it on the show. But okay, Dave doesn't like fun oh, things. He doesn't like remember. fun no, things. He hates fun things. I forgot he hates fun. Um, well, when I they, tell my wife that we're going to be watching the church, she'll say, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no one's going to... Okay, sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You Maybe mean she, the blockbuster hit, Ace Ventura, no, Pet Detective? Gosh. Let's see how much money this movie made. It, it, made it, it was a hit. I remember Millions of dollars. Jim Carrey had like three, It launched his career, dude. He had like, like three big movies in one year. I, it was 94, I think. Yeah, and you know what's nice about this movie? The mask An hour and 20 dumb. minutes. That's what I like. Okay, yeah. In and out. Um, I mean, that's pretty long. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty long for me. That's pretty long for you. There are film. longer <laughs> episodes of The Handmaid's Tale than there are <laughs> of uh, Ace Ventura. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do on next episode. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. Uh, Mike, where can people find uh, you? You can find me on Twitter at Mike Mirandi or MikeMirandi.com or... On Instagram. Where? Where, you might ask? (laughs) At Mike Morandi. Oh, I thought you'd been great if you're like, at Charles Collins. (laughs) Like, just (laughs) some random name. Doesn't make any sense. That would be funny for me. Um, You can find me at Ivan Kander on Twitter. My website's lucky9studios.com. So, uh, until next time, guys, happy Halloween. Boo. 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 Boo.